You may have forgotten, and it's okay, it doesn't really matter. But I'm still preaching through the Gospel of Matthew. And there are other uh, themes and uh, things going on in ministry that it's not necessarily an every week kind of thing. I am excited about Matthew 18 and Matthew 19. It's, they're so full. I mean, we could just stay here for a long, long time. Uh, and um, I've got uh, two different themes in Matthew 18, I believe the Lord wants me to preach about. And this today uh, was, in my mind originally, a, a, a one-part message, but it's not. It's going to be two parts. So I couldn't get all that I uh, was just getting and studying into this uh, message today. So we'll jump into uh, a, a lot of it or some more of it, and I'll give you some clues on what that is for next week. So the title of this message today is, He is Patient Towards You. And that's a phrase out of 2 Peter 3.9, a great verse to have underlined in your Bible or uh, highlighted in your app, Bible app. And 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow about His promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing for any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Your word is alive. We pray you open up our eyes that we can see the truth of your word, that your gospel is good news, and thank you for being patient toward us. Uh, Lord God, that you uh, continue to work on us throughout our journey of salvation and living free before you. Amen. I'm so glad he's patient with me. I'm so glad in my salvation journey and now living out my journey of living for him, he's patient. Now, he doesn't delay. He doesn't quit. He doesn't slow down in the sense of he cuts off. His spirit is always available, working. His grace is always more than enough for every stage of my life. Even before I was saved, there's what John Wesley called a prevening grace, a grace that works on a person's heart and life and circumstances before they come to Christ, that's setting up, the, uh, pointing them and planting seeds in their heart and life uh, every step of the way. And we want to, this, is, this isn't Matthew 18. Stephen, what are you doing? You're in Second Peter 3. I know, I know. I've got to do this really for myself because the Matthew 18 passage is so profound, it kind of takes me somewhere. So I do these verses for me as much as anyone else. And so let's go to another scripture. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers and petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So just stop there for a moment. So there is this uh, responsibility we have as believers, given here taught by the Apostle Paul, to pray continually and give thanks uh, on behalf of all men. And he starts listing people. For kings and all those who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. And in that day and age, 
uh, there were dictators and emperors who lived that were against Christianity to the point of even taking Christians into uh, stadiums, gladiator stadiums, and letting them uh, get chewed up by wild animals as entertainment. Paul himself, in his uh, own story of his life, he said he fought wild beasts, so he knows what that was like. And so even in hostile uh, cultures and governments and societies, he says we are to pray for kings and those who are leading authority. And that's a, that's a challenge for us. Because sometimes we, Stephen Riley, can get so angry when I'm seeing on TV and the news that I don't go to prayer or even think about praying for someone that is a leader that I'm angry at at the time. But here... We are instructed to do that. Next verse. This is good. This is verse 3. And acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who desires all men, and of course all women, to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. See, it's God's will. It's His desire. Who desires? It's His, uh, from His original plan and hopes, the way He created things. That, that yes, He hopes and He's done all that He can. To open up and offer salvation to all to be saved. That's his desire. That's his plan. The Apostle Paul, excuse me. Had a story. That didn't help much, did it? Wow. Had a story that we need to go back to. We need to remember his salvation journey. He was such a well-respected religious leader in Jerusalem. When Jesus and the, uh, the disciples, after Jesus was resurrected and went, ascended back to heaven and the disciples were just starting the new church and, and so many were against them. In fact, Paul, from what we can tell from the Scriptures, like the leader, active leader, pursuing Christians to arrest them and or to have them killed or stoned. And a great guy named Stephen was the first martyr. And he was a leader in that early church. And and they stoned him. And Paul was there holding the cloaks and helping administrate that stoning. And he gets goes to the religious Sanhedrin. He gets authority and papers to go to Damascus, another city where he heard there were Christians there and he's going and traveling there to go arrest and bring back Christians to Jerusalem to be tried and and probably many of them stoned or killed in some way. And this was Paul's leadership in that time. He was well respected and he's on the road to Damascus as described in Acts chapter 9. And this brilliant light, so bright, it knocks him off his horse, and it, it, he turned him blind. Those around him heard the voice speak to him, and it was, he, 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 Jesus said, why are you perse- persecuting me, Saul? And he remained blind for three days, and he was in Damascus, and he was fasting, just waiting on God, and Ananias is visited by the Spirit of God and says, go to Saul and I am uh, going to use him. He said, what? Go to who? Saul, we know what 
he's up to. He's brought letters to arrest us and we're going to probably die in Jerusalem. What are you talking about? On, in that day, Saul, whose name became Paul, was the most unlikely person to give their heart to Christ. He was the most well-known and famous persecutor of Christians and coming against the church. He would have been known as the most unlikely person to get saved. And yet, we have this story that even Paul got saved, and sure enough, Ananias went there, prayed for him, the scales came off, and he began, he began preaching like that week, it sounds like. Just, as soon as he learned, started learning, he started preaching. Um, tell that story to get us started, because in Titus 2, verse 11, it says, By the grace of God, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Even those who you would say, I'm so mad at them, they're so far off, surely they have a depraved mind, they're too over the edge, they can't get saved. Look at how what they're up to, and yet it is God's desire. It is it is hopes. He's paved the way for salvation through his death and resurrection on the cross that offers salvation to all people. In fact, right now, why don't we do that? Let's pray for a person that you perhaps know, a friend, a relative, a, an old friend, an acquaintance, that you just think they... I don't know if they'll ever get saved. They have seemed to reject God so many years, so many ways. They're so far gone, it seems. Let's just stop and pray for them right now. Lord Jesus, Your blood is strong enough to break through the most distant and hard heart towards You right now. So we're asking that Your blood would break through that hardened heart, that your loving kindness would bring them to repentance, that they would convict, be convicted of their sin, and they would turn to you. Lord, even the prodigal and our family uh, relatives, our family line, we, the prodigals that are out there, Lord, it, they're not too far from your Holy Spirit and your great and powerful work. Amen. So this gets me ready for Matthew chapter 18. I encourage you at home to open up your Bibles. Uh, to get, you might be watching on your phones. You might need to get another tablet to look at this, this passage and to be reading along as we go through Matthew. Uh, and so what's happening at the beginning of this chapter is that the, the 12 disciples, they're, they're, you know, many of them, if not all, were just real competitive with each other. And they are actually, uh, you know, arguing and wondering who's going to be the best. And so they come to Jesus to ask him this question. And, and they say, so who is the greatest in your kingdom? And they're all just hoping, you know, oh, it's going to be Peter. Oh, no, it's going to be me, John. No, it's going to be me, Andrew. No, it's going to And those, they were just hoping Jesus would be pointing to one of them and maybe have a ranking and you'd be up there in the top three or something. Surely he's got some favorites. Surely he's got... And this is what he does instead. He calls over a little child. 
And he brings this little child over into this conversation. And he brings this little child close. So we're going to start reading here in verse 3 of Matthew 18. And Jesus said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted and become like children, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever then humbles himself as this child, he is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And there's other places where the phrases that Jesus uses is, you must have faith like a child. And so, a few weeks ago, or a month or so ago, we had a rite of passage calling young men and women into their adulthood to, to put childish ways behind them. Childish ways would be ways of immaturity, ways of foolishness, and to step in to receive the wisdom that God has for you. This is not that. A childlike faith, a humility like a child, is something God wants us to emulate, something to understand and to keep with us as a foundation spiritual life our whole life. That a child that just can run up to mom or dad, say, oh, I'm, yeah, and into our arms and just be peaceful that quick because they're in mom or dad's arms. That we can trust that everything's going to be okay. We can receive that peace because of that simple trust. God wants us to stay like that. Even though there's complexities to life, there's complications, there's up and downs. But to have a simple childlike faith is part of our foundation of our spiritual life. Let's keep reading here. Going to verse 5. And Jesus says, And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it will be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck, and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks, for it is inevitable that stumbling blocks come. But woe to that man through whom the stumbling block comes. When I first read this passage several weeks ago, uh, again, when the first time, but for, for in preparation for this message, all I could think about was the attack on our children right now. That there is a, before the eyes of God, a very grave attack on our children. This attack says to children that you have gender fluidity. That you can choose your own gender. It says that, hey, you can experiment with your sexual orientation and try different things and see where you want to be in regards to that. See, he says in verse 5 that when you receive one such child, my name, you receive me. This little child, don't look at them as, as not very valuable. They're young. They're immature. They're just running around. No, when you receive one, it's like receiving me when you receive one of these little ones. So you preschool, kindergarten, you elementary school teachers, you are you receiving Jesus Christ in your day-to-day ministry, nursery of volunteers and Children's and river cliffs, you're receiving Jesus as you receive them. There's, there's not a higher calling. It, and according to these, this language right here, what a high calling before God. What a great privilege. And then Jesus comes up with a very graphic judgment in verse 8. Saying, if you cause one of these little ones to stumble, 
It would be better. It would be better for you that you had a millstone hung around your neck and drowned in the depth of the sea. So millstones, we don't see them around very often in the ancient Israel and really even many cultures. Some even today still use this in their farming. It is a huge round stone for crushing things. Grain and wheat. This is, uh, I believe, a, a, a sample of an um, olive oil press where they would put olives uh, out there and, and, and I, I, I like olive oil. I'm not into olives. I'm glad. Let's crush those things. Let's get some olive oil out of it. I try to like them. I, I just can't get my taste buds to like them. And they would crush these olives and down. And so these millstones, that, that millstone could be around over 2,000, maybe 3,000 pounds. That's like a bull cow, 3,000 pounds. That's like a car, a small car out there is 3,000 pounds. And Jesus, I'm going to wrap that bull around your neck and you're going to drown with the bull, with the car wrapped around your neck. Jesus is saying it would be worse for you than that. He is putting the highest accountability on how we treat our children. How we protect our children. I mean, it's just common sense. Uh, at home and in the criminal justice system, right? You have somebody who steals uh, a notebook from a little store, you know, and this, you know, that's hardly a crime, a little bit of punishment. You steal, you know, something bigger from the store or lawnmower than you get. But if you steal a car, it's a bigger uh, penalty punishment. If you steal a million dollars, you get more. If you, just as the crime goes up, the punishment goes up. Jesus is putting, you know, I can't express a higher judgment and punishment you will receive if you cause one of these little ones to stumble. Folks, this is serious in God's eyes. He wants, He protects children. And he says, woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks. God wants us to have a protective heart for children. Going on in this passage, uh, just to kind of let you tell you what it, he goes on. I'm not going to read it uh, right now, but in verse 8 and 9, he talks about cutting off those things in our personal lives. Our hands, our feet, plucking our eyes out. That calls us to stumble. That holiness before God is so critical that He even wants us to do what it takes, not literally to cut our hands or feet off, okay? That's a figurative, but a very dramatic image. He is messing with people's imagination right now. Someone sinking at the bottom of the sea with the millstone and now cutting off legs, feet, and plucking out. Holiness to God is of utmost importance. And Next week, Lord willing, I'm hoping to go into a holiness message for all of us as we move ahead. But verse 10 and 11 says, see, to, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I say to you that there are angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. For the, for the Son of Man has come to save that which was lost. Some Greek manuscripts don't have the verse 11 that's um, uh, Jesus is quoted to say that in other places and other gospels, uh, and so. But there is this theme in Jesus' messages that he seeks and, and 
to save those who are lost. And this challenges me because I'm going, I know God wants to protect children, but He is seeking those who are, are the stumbling block. Who are promoting for young children fluid uh, gender identity and sexual orientation. They are leading the way. They are being stumbling blocks to little children, and yet God is seeking their heart as well for salvation. We understand this in the prodigal mindset of a mom, dad, grandmother, grandfather, that our heart's broken for the prodigal in our family. Our nieces, nephews, our hearts are broken. Well, guess what? Those that we see in the on, on leading the way, and I'm going to use these terms, the far left agenda, which is an agenda created so evil that's from demons themselves, folks. I didn't say democratic. I did not say liberal. This is far left beyond that. The pro-abortion agenda is a far left agenda, and it is from the pits of hell. God wants us to protect the unborn. God wants also to protect the children. And what is happening right now in our culture, this onslaught among young children, is God wants us to protect them. There's an organization called Mama Grizzly. They have t-shirts with the grizzly bear on there. And that's, you know, bear, you don't mess with a bear when there's cubs around, right? I mean, that's the worst case scenario out in the wild. Did you run into a bear or a grizzly with little cubs? Because that mama is going to be protecting the little babies. And so, there's, and they, what they do, you know, they're based out of northern Virginia. I don't know if they're kind of have chapters nationally or not. I don't know. But what they do is they, they check libraries, public school libraries and, and public libraries and find out what's in there. And they go after the pornography and these deceptive teachings of that uh, pedophilia and uh, fluid transgender um, agendas. And they go after these books. And they make a stand in these places. Later in this passage, Jesus goes on about the story of how the shepherd leaves the 99 to go after the lost one. Whether the lost one is a little child or the lost one is somebody else's child, niece or nephew, and they're leading the way in the far left agenda, they're still lost and someone is praying for them. Let's join in in prayer that this God who is patient in our journey is working on them and putting seeds in their heart to soften their heart. So I've got like three directions I'm going in this message. It was so hard for me to put this together. We are to... Fight for righteousness to protect our children. And we're also to pray for the one that we... They're so far gone, surely they couldn't get saved. No, it's not too late yet. This is a day of mercy and grace for each one. And let's engage in prayer and ministry there. I want to give some examples of what's going on around our country. I know I could give a lot. I've got a few here I want to hit on real quick. Of... This trend to take parents a voice, influence, and involvement out of 
school systems and create curriculums and programs and so forth without us. It's, it's, you know, it's a trend that's growing throughout the, the country. And you need to know, even though I am drawing a clear line of what we need to stand against, that we are pro-school and pro-teacher at Living Waters. We last year in this, and during the school year have prayed at Cornerstone as a, as a group, at Heritage Elementary, at Bonnet Middle. Uh, this year we're going to continue to offer those uh, times of prayer. We, uh, as Unceasing Prayer Network that's happening around our, our county, last fall we uh, have a, a, a great Christian principal at Collins High School in Shelby County, and, and he um, paved the way for us to have a prayer meeting for the educational system of Shelby County in that school auditorium. We have plans to do the same in August, hopefully. We'll be watching for the, for the updates there in another school where we would pray for the beginning of the school and the students and the teachers. Teachers are servants, and we've been blessing the teachers over at Heritage Elementary. We're saying thank you. Thank you, Principal uh, Black over there. We're, so, we're praying for you. We're so grateful. They're servants to us. And it's usually just a few who work their way in influential places of power throughout the country that make these decisions and start making directions to threaten our children. There's an organization, if you've heard about Northern Virginia, there's a couple of counties just intense in battle there. Uh, there's an organization now called Stand Up Virginia. And just give a little bit of uh, geography there. I grew up in Lynchburg, Virginia. It's, it's south-central Virginia. Most of the state has not gone haywire. And it's much more uh, just conservative and, and so forth. But around Washington, D.C., northern Virginia has gotten very far left. They're populated counties because people who work in D.C. will go live in northern Virginia, in Loudoun or Fairfax County, for example. And the battles that are happening there at their uh, local and state level are very intense. And so the Stand Up Virginia, they are uh, coming against the critical race theory being inserted into the curriculums. They're beginning elementary school. They are um, standing against parents being shut out of important decisions. And if you remember the governor's race there this past fall in September, that was Glenn Youngkin's uh, main campaign was we are going to have excellence in schools. Day one, we're going to take critical race theory out of there. And that uh, his opponent, who was trying to get reelected, said in a debate that parents should have a minimal role in shaping school curriculums. A minimal role, and that just, get those mama grizzlies out. Children are important in the eyes of God. And that, that state and that, those counties came out and voted and they brought back a, uh, a, you know, a governor, Glenn Youngkin, that would stand for them, with them in their public school situations. Just recently in, uh, I believe it was Loudoun County, uh, in their, they've approved the, the transgender bathrooms that you could you know, choose which bathroom you want to be, want to be in, uh, uh, a boy student had, you know, dressed up like a girl, went into the girl's restroom, sexually assaulted a girl there in the restroom. He was 
you know, moved and went, went to a different school, did the same thing in another school. Went into a girl's bathroom and sexually sought another girl. So that again, they're back demonstrating again. Right now, in Fairfax County, they have written a policy that uh, in, their, in the student handbook that says that if you do not say a peer's preferred gender pronoun, you can be suspended. It's called malicious misgendering. And so if you call a, a, a student by their, you know, whatever gender, and then you could be, you know, uh, reported and you could be suspended. This, again, is a trend that's happening, trying to take, uh, you know, the, the, it's, it's just been a, a, a common sense value that even in public schools, parents have say in the development of curriculum. In Missouri school board, their state school board, there's um, about almost 70, around 70 school districts in that state that have, have adopted in their handbook uh, that says, the district will not honor requests by parents or guardians to be informed prior to discussions with counselors and so forth, be present during discussions, or prohibit conversations between student and staff members. And so they're having to find out about that and fight that in the state of Missouri. It's actually getting written into their documents. You know that I could go on and on, but I wanted to make clear that these are legitimate battles that we face both in prayer and in action. And I do need some connections and help. I don't hear about kind of horror stories like that around here. And yet, I don't really know what's happening in the classroom. So if you can kind of help uh, educate me in that, I would like to be more aware and, and involved. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. Parents have a God-given responsibility to protect their children and a God-given responsibility to train up their children. And we as a local church, we want to stand for godliness. It is known in the Christian school that was formed here, that, that Christian education is, a, is to support what parents do at home, that the parents are the first curriculum, and the Christian education is the support curriculum. Cornerstone has that value and that uh, uh, priority there, and that's the way our country lived for so many uh, years, is that school is just uh, under the authority of parents. We're to assist parents and not be the authority over parents and exclude them. Praise God for uh, Joel and Kara League and Kent Sullivan and that original board that started Living Waters uh, Christian School here and has gone on and is growing their attendance. Is, it's greater than ever. It's over 300 now. Yes, isn't that great? And in this area, Living Waters Christian School was the only one and, and, and students were having to travel from Frankfort and Anderson County, but now there's a Frankfort Christian School and there's a Christian Academy of Lawrenceburg that... Some of our families are involved in. Praise God for that work. And I want to tell you that this is real and has hit home. And I want to just summarize a story that has happened uh, at Christian Academy of Louisville where my wife teaches. But just a couple weeks ago, uh, 
There is an assignment that's been uh, part of the middle school curriculum for many years. And uh, it's available on the online portal between teacher and students. And it was to uh, write a letter to a, a, you know, you, a, a pretend friend, a hypothetical friend that is your age, and to write this letter. And the letter is, this person, this friend is homosexual. And you're going to use scriptures and also to display the love and kindness of God and, and, uh, and, and the love of God in this letter. It was a well-written assignment. Well, a parent took that image and sent it to a homosexual friend uh, who posted it on social media. It ended up spreading throughout much of the country and eventually uh, built up enough uh, steam online uh, for a planned protest at Christian Academy of Louisville. Uh, so on Wednesday, just a few days ago, between 11, uh, 11 o'clock and 3 p.m., uh, there was a protest called a love-in. And watching some of the interviews, uh, there's reports, you know, TV reports and stuff on, on this, this, this thing that happened. And they were there saying, hey, we, uh, a couple of alumnus that had come out or become homosexual after graduation, they were there saying, hey, we wanted them to know that there's a... a a bigger loving kindness than what's in that school. It was it wasn't a, a big protest. It didn't. It didn't. It was peaceful, and so there were really. Uh, it really didn't develop in something um, uh, that was uh, too challenging, and so uh, hopefully that'll be it. But imagine all the Bible school curriculums that all the private schools around the country. Uh, Getting, getting protested. And I hope it doesn't go there. I want to end this message with some key points and how God can use us in reaching those who are homosexual, those who are transgender. I've been getting to some material by Christopher Yuan. It's called Holy Sexuality and the Gospel. Brianna Terrell was helping me study through this material. And I highly recommend him uh, and others that I've looked at. So what happens is, is this gentleman, Christopher Huon, he was far away from God. He was in all kinds of sin, he would, in, in, including homosexuality. And he, um, there's a book that he and his mom wrote because his, the book records not only his journey, but his mom's journey. And they often go and speak. This book here has a lot of theology in it and scriptures in it because he became a Bible professor in college and he has a doctorate, and he's uh, at Bible, uh, Moody, Moody, Moody Bible Institute as a professor. Well-written book. And what we realize is that the Holy Spirit is working on homosexuals, and I'm including, even though the book doesn't really address this uh, much, is the transgender as well, that the Holy Spirit is working. And he gives some things that I only, not only heard from him, but from others' testimonies that I've been 
listening to of those who have been transformed by the power of God and coming out of that life and that world. Because I want to understand who God has has sent to us. I have right now uh, a couple of men and 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 they have kind of individually been in contact with me for a couple of years and off and on and one just texted me out of Louisville just earlier this week and when we say Lord God I want to partner with you I want to be a part of seeking and saving those who are lost well then we have to be yes and amen to the homosexual community because they are part of this harvest that God wants to use each one of us in reaching. We can't be selective to God. Oh God, yeah, I want to be a part of the harvest. Woo, that's going to be so Yeah, people getting saved and we'll disciple and this stuff. Wonderful. Yeah, no, this, you don't just get to choose who God puts in your path and your connections and who's on His heart. One thing that I heard from not only Christopher here out of his material, but also others, is that number one, you want to share Jesus, not morality. You want to share Jesus because it's Jesus, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ that is is so appealing and draws us. This is the most beautiful thing of all of life is Jesus and His love. It's not the do's and don'ts and you know you're in sin because you're you know doing this horrible sin and no it's point them to Jesus and live in and show it in your own life share Jesus not morality another one is that God will convict of sin original and so I put the capital S sin because there's a bigger sin than homosexuality than perversion than transgender there's There's bigger sins. It's just, you're a sinner. Just like me, I was born a sinner. Out of my mom's womb, I was born a sinner. And I needed God's mercy and grace in His blood. There wasn't another way for me to get saved. It wasn't a specific sin. And and he says, and, and I've heard others say that God didn't convict me of my homosexuality. It was my lack of belief, it was my rebellion, it was this or that. It, God, the Holy Spirit works differently and He's trying to get them deeper than that, that you were just born in sin. It's not just one or two other sins, it's your sinner. And I am, as I said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and what I've done on the cross to wash you, and, and then raised from the dead, that's, that's the only way to the Father. And He's paved that way. Another one is that the key to freedom is identity in Christ. I heard that repeatedly in different testimonies and stories and from this man Christopher. And I want to tell you, I can say that my identity in Christ has been my key to freedom as well. That these are principles that work for us, for all of us, no matter what transformation God is doing in our life. These principles are great. I want to go deeper into these principles of holiness and purity next Sunday, Lord willing. Because 
God wants us to be pure and holy. He doesn't want us to just point to sin. Look at that terrible sin. No, look, God, work on me and I will hopefully be a humble example. I'll be humble like a child, dependent and trusting in you. And that attitude and that approach is going to be one where I can share how wonderful you are to others. And it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter what their background is. It doesn't matter what they're doing. Each person is created in the image of God. Each person, Jesus said, it's my desire that they all be saved. I died for each one. Just like He died for you, He died for them. They are worth His death just as much as His death was worthy for you. And so there is this honor we give each person. They're created in God. Jesus loved them. He died for them. We, honor, we listen. We get to know them. We don't just bash them and we don't just uh, attack them. Listen, God is the one who's perfectly justice. Do you get that, folks? He's the one that decides how He's going to do that millstone thing at the bottom. And in earth, there's great injustices all around. We look and there's horrible and then we go through so much. But in heaven and eternity, justice has been completed. And no one is saying, oh, that was unfair. That wasn't right. That's how we, many people live as we live on the earth. But God is perfect justice. And He will punish and judge those who are do that. And you and I, we would have received the same judgment but it would, if it wasn't for the mercy of the blood of Christ. See, God, the Father, is perfectly just. So He had to punish someone. He punished His Son, Jesus, with our sin. And that's the only way we get to escape that, is that we said, yes, yes, holy and just God, I forgive me of my sins. Wash me with Your blood. Let's just bow our heads and say a prayer like that perhaps online this morning or later this week perhaps right now in this room you sense this I want that I, I, I need that I, I want more of this and you want to say a prayer right now we're going to pray with you we're going to pray out loud a salvation prayer dear Lord Jesus you are perfect justice And I need your mercy. That's right. Please repeat after me so everybody's encouraged. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean by your blood. I believe that you died on the cross. And I believe that you rose from the grave. I want you in my heart and life. Come in and never leave. Your love is amazing. I want to experience your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for receiving me as your child. Amen. If you said that prayer in your heart, tell a friend, tell one of us, don't leave here today. Don't let the day go by without telling someone. I've got another prayer I want us to do, and then we'll conclude in the last song.
There might be someone that you have bitterness toward right now because of the evil that they're promoting in your community or in the, your neighborhood or at your school. And I'm going to ask you to just take a moment and do like Second Timothy says, is to pray for all men to be saved. Pray for leaders. Pray for those in authority. Let's pray. Father, you do want us to have righteous indignation. You do want us to get angry about evil. But Lord, may it not stop our hearts from being praying hearts. May it not cause us to have hard hearts or callous hearts. We want to have compassion because that person that is leading the way perhaps toward destruction is someone's child or grandchild. And we join prayers with them that you would have mercy just like you had mercy on us. That you would be patient with them as you promised in their salvation journey as you have been patient with us. And Lord, Lord, we would see a greater revival in the far left, Lord God. Lord God, that you would begin having high profile and low profile. It doesn't matter how important they are in the eyes of people. They're each important to you. But Lord, that those in the far left agenda, Lord God, that are being led astray by this destruction, Lord God. Father, have mercy on them. Let, let us see dramatic salvations like Paul, the most unlikely one to be saved. That you bring them into a salvation with you, Lord. Thank you for our prodigals in our family lines and our friends prodigals we join prayers right now together lord intervene lord god interrupt them lord may they see you on the road to damascus and just see who you are without a doubt lord god may they turn and repent because of your loving kindness have mercy on them have mercy O god and bring them into your kingdom Ahead, Julia, if you could lead us, thank you. Our life is yours, my hope is in you only, my heart you hold. the altar ministry teams to come available on the sides here for prayer uh, you know we just want to be a praying people don't don't rush off if you have something going on in your life you need some extra prayer we want to give that to you we also have online uh, a available phone number that's good for the next 30 minutes on Sunday morning and that person is available for prayer as well Lord Jesus you are so holy you're so beautiful so worthy to be praised 
Lord, help us take that reminder of God, that heart, into this week. We ask you for your blessing on us. We thank you that you do bless us. You want to bless us abundantly, Lord God, into this week. There's abundant grace and mercy. And thank you, Lord, that you're going to use us in the harvest of these, these days, Lord God. You're going to use us in great harvest in these days. Thank you, God. You go in grace. Have a great week. Enjoy the weekend with family and friends. God's going to use you there. Pray for peace and unity. Have a great weekend and great week. Love y'all.